Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. I have a good friend who is fond of saying that joy is not the absence of sorrow, it's the presence of God. What we have in our text in Luke is that kind of joy that comes out of a rather difficult predicament for Mary, but the presence of God leads her to a joyous song. I invite you to listen for God's word as it comes to us in the Magnificat from Luke's Gospel. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He's helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, in this season we have come to once again look into the manger in Bethlehem to see if there is something for us there. We have come to once again ponder what it is that has happened in this Christmas celebration. So quiet within us now any voice but your own. Still in us our anxieties and all our scurrying about to prepare for what is coming. And help us now to open our ears to hear your word. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Recently, in the last several weeks, in our family, we received the word that our son, Ryan, and his wife, Nanette, are about to have their third child. That means that Lynn and I are going to become grandparents again next June in 2018 with what will be our fifth grandchild. So we're, we're trying to catch up to the Hagas. Um, this time, our, our daughter-in-law, especially Nanette, is hoping for a girl. They have two boys already, and she's desperately trying to balance the hormones in the household. She's feeling surrounded by all these active boys in her life. And since they're going to be with us on Christmas Day, we too will be surrounded by all these active boys. And... We will enjoy Christmas with our pregnant daughter-in-law in our home. It's all very exciting. It's a future pregnant with possibilities. Now, the reaction to the news of pregnancies is not always that positive. 
Not everyone hears the news with the same ears. I can remember uh, when my wife and I had learned that we were pregnant with our second daughter, I told my father. And when he heard the news, immediately it took him by surprise, and I could see by the look on his face that he was immediately concerned. And he wanted to ask me, have you really considered the cost of having a child? Are you prepared for the responsibilities of this expanding family? I mean, do you really have any idea what it's going to cost to put this kid through college? And as he stumbled trying to figure out how to respond to this good news that we were celebrating and sharing with him, I finally just helped him out and I said, Dad, I'm not asking you to raise this child. I just want you to be excited for us. We'll figure out the rest. Now, truth be told, I had recently quit my job and I was working for UPS delivering Christmas gifts. So I, there was a reason that he was concerned. <laughs> and he just couldn't quite grasp the blind faith with which I was approaching life. There was this sense in which... Uh, I was okay with my current situation, and he couldn't understand that. And now this other life was going to be dependent upon the decisions I was making. That concerned him more, and he wasn't wrong to be concerned at that point. I sometimes wish I could go back and have a conversation with him about that day. I'd love to be able to say, Dad, look, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go and I'm going to complete two master's degrees. I'm going to become a Presbyterian minister. And I'll serve uh, several churches and I'll serve as the dean of students at Princeton Seminary. And I'll go on to be the chair of that board. And this child is going to grow up. And she herself will earn two master's degrees. And she'll marry this wonderful and this incredibly smart and loving man. And they're both going to live in a part of the country that neither you or I can afford to live in. <laughs> It'll work out. But back then, I only had a vague sense that somehow it would work. I didn't know how. And that was the best I could claim that day. A little joy at this child who was about to be born. Now recently I received a letter from one of our members of the church here, Barbara Gage. It was following a delightful celebration that we had for Harry Gage's 90th birthday this fall. And this was his first Thanksgiving in his ninth decade of life. And Barbara shared a little bit more with me and with those of us who were present for that celebration than she could share on that particular evening about Harry's life. She concluded the letter with a quote from Soren Kierkegaard. The quote read, Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. I found that to be true. Perhaps you have too. And that's what makes this scripture so amazing to me. Here's Mary, pregnant, with an uncertain future. 
She's chosen to bear the one who is life, and that life was the light of all people. She has no clue how it's going to work out, but she has such faith that somehow God is present and her joy leads her to song. She finally finds her voice after being stunned by the news of all of this, and she's able to sing praises to God. And it's a freedom song. It's a song about justice. Justice for all. Now, what would life be without surprises? I mean, maybe without some surprises, we'd be a lot less embarrassed, and some surprises we can certainly do without. But Christmas is not a surprise we can do without. It's one surprise the whole world is still trying to come to terms with. It's something we never expected at all. We didn't even want. But it's a gift from God that we have no way of taking back. Now the Annunciation for Mary was unexpected. It was a surprise of the first order. Imagine Mary waking up Going about her chores, suddenly, without warning, this stranger appears to her and tells her she's going to have a child. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and you now will conceive, and in your womb you will bear a son. We know now how it turns out but nobody knew it yet. She's not physically or emotionally ready for this. She's very likely a teenager. At that point, because people got married much younger in those days, it's upsetting all of her plans to marry Joseph. This is going to bring embarrassment to her family. She's surprised. She's puzzled by this stranger who first has to calm her down so she can even comprehend what's being said. But to her credit, Mary has the fortitude to reply, Here I am, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then when she finds her voice, she sings Magnificat. God has acted to redeem the world. Now, this year we've seen some remarkable stories of sexual harassment that women have had to tolerate from unrestrained men, often colleagues or bosses. Apparently, we're learning that just being in the workplace has some remarkable risks for women. It's been a year of revelation. Hashtag Me Too. One writer commented in the Wall Street Journal recently that, quote, incidents of sexual abuse on this scale don't randomly erupt. They grow from the complex climate of a nation's culture. These guys aren't blips or outliers. These men are a product of their times. Their acts reveal a collapse of self-restraint that in turn suggests a broader evaporation of conscience. The sense that doing something is wrong. We are seeing now how wrongs can hurt others when conscience is demoted 
as a civilizing instrument of personal behavior, end quote. In the article, he quotes Rochelle Gerstein, who claims, quote, the sense of the sacred and the shameful gradually declined across the 20th century as writers and artists rejected former ways of thinking about personal propriety or reticent behavior, end quote. The decline of the sacred leads to a decline in our moral behavior. And now, finally, this fall, we're hearing from a woman's point of view that they're fed up with the injustice of all of that, with the kinds of treatment that they've had to endure. Many women are finding their voice. That's what Mary did. Luke's gospel tells us the story of Christmas from a woman's viewpoint. In a time when women were often unnamed, they were simply the woman at the well. Luke was interested in a different perspective. In Matthew's gospel, Mary is mute. She is in most Christmas pageants, by the way. Has no speaking part. In Mark, the birth narratives don't even appear at all. Throughout the New Testament, Mary, when she is acknowledged by name, doesn't have much to say. Paul, the apostle who wrote so much of the New Testament, simply writes that Jesus was born of a woman. But Luke's Mary not only has something to say, she has something to sing about. Known as the Magnificat, Mary's song has been set to music by the world's greatest composers throughout the centuries. Mary, who is of low estate, a, a euphemism for being poor, she sings a solo aria about her destiny, but also a freedom song for all who experience oppression, especially the oppression of poverty. She sings for all who, despite their circumstances, still believe that God will make a way where there is no way. And her cousin Elizabeth declared Mary's faith when she said, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Now just like Mary, we may not be able to choose everything that happens to us in life, but we get to choose how we respond. I know people who have this running narrative in their life that they're a victim of something or someone. A victim of their parents' dysfunction, perhaps, or a victim of economic hardship or unjust social structures or a victim of unfair employment practices or a victim of gender discrimination, a victim of harassment. And I'm not suggesting that these problems don't exist or aren't real. They are. And I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't confront social injustice when we face it and where it exists. But too often, I think, some find conspiracies where there is none. And they learn to play the role of a victim in their own life. Mary may have been poor, she may have been underprivileged, but the story that she chooses 
to use to interpret her life was not that of a victim, but that of a child of God. And she was a child of God participating in the Lord's unfolding drama of salvation for the whole world. She was one of God's elect. And isn't that what we hope little June Beatrice Parker will understand and believe about herself? That she is also one of God's elect? That the Lord intends to bless her life in order that she might be a blessing to others' lives? That this child has the image of Christ imprinted in her now and can approach life with faith and with hope and with great love. Not because there aren't problems and challenges in life, but because she's not a victim, but a victor. Because of what God has done in Jesus Christ our Lord and what God will do and bring to pass. You see, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards with faith. Now, there are many things in life we don't get to choose. We don't get to choose our parents, our siblings. We don't get to choose our genetic predisposition for cancer or for Alzheimer's. We don't get to choose the talents that we have. But when it comes down to it, lots of things happen to us that we don't plan and we didn't want. But we get to choose how we respond. We can choose the storyline of our own lives and the stories that will give our life meaning and significance. And that we get to choose how we will interpret what happens to us. Mary chose to see the world as the place where God is still alive and active, especially on behalf of those in need. Mary chooses to sing a song of praise in the midst of her predicament as a young woman engaged to a carpenter and pregnant with God's possibilities. And similarly, you and I get to choose which story will define who we are and who we will become. We may limit our concerns in our lives to smallness, to those in our own family and those who like us. and We may limit our goals to misshapen desires. Or we can see the world through a different lens beyond our control and beyond our own making, where the Lord of life is present and is moving all of life towards a better future. And we can broaden our concerns to include the concern for others and for a world where everyone might have food to eat and a place to lay their head, where they can make a living and they can build a future for their families. I don't really know precisely how all that's going to happen. But let's figure it out together. I know this. It won't happen without faith. It begins with some sense of confidence that God who gave us life has not abandoned us. 
and is leading us into the future. And we can strive for a world that belongs to God and not to greed, not to evil, not to predators. Where insignificant people like Mary and you and me can make impossible contributions and participate in God's unfolding drama of life. We can choose whether we'll live by faith, empowered by love, or whether we'll live stingy lives filled with complaining and anxiety about an uncertain future while playing out the worst-case scenarios in our own minds. So the question is, is there a song in your heart this morning? Even though life hasn't turned out as you expected it to, can you sing a song of joy this day, or is there bitterness and a sense that you've been somehow victimized by life? You see, the coming of Christ is about the intersection of the divine and the human, and that is always a surprise. It's not a story about separating the spiritual from the material. On the contrary, it's a story about the spiritual entering into loving blessing, redeeming, embracing this world in which we live with all its brutality and all its brokenness and transforming it. It's all very exciting. A future pregnant with possibilities. But we don't all hear it with the same ears. And like Mary, we will only understand life backwards we must live it forwards. So may God help us to live with courage, with a song in our hearts. Amen.